you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. All right, guys, the decision by Josh McDaniels is to try the field goal for a seven-point lead. 52-yard try by Daniel Carlson. He hits the upright. No good. Four-man rush. Love. End zone. Intercepted. Good night. Picked off by Amik Robertson. Good night to the Green Bay Packers. The call there from Joe Buck on ESPN. Jordan Love threw three interceptions, including that final pass picked off in the end zone right in front of Christian Watson. The deciding play in a 17-13 win for the Las Vegas Raiders in a very rowdy environment there. That's a good... That is, I've said it before in the show, and again... And I know there's a lot of Packers fans in that building, but that that's a good vibe. That's a good primetime vibe. There's a lot of energy in that building for these primetime games. And maybe that's part of just the, the Raiders allure of it all. Dan Hans is here. Greg Rosenthal there. Um, Greggy, this was... Um, I'll remember this game for uh, <laughs> Max Crosby going ham and just game-wrecking in a way that the the even the box score maybe doesn't tell the whole story. And the Raiders surviving another Josh McDaniels head scratcher. They advance and end a three-game losing streak. I know. I was like trying to decide whether I start positive or start negative because the negative is McDaniels, the positive is Crosby. Let's start Crosby because this has been a bad Raiders era. I don't. I don't see it getting better. This win didn't change my mind. They're now two and three. To me, 
They're a team destined for between five and seven wins. And to, to win that many games, you, you got to get some. And uh, a home game against this Packers team who's searching is a logical place to get it. But I do think if you're a Raiders fan, players like Mac Crosby, Max Crosby specifically, he is the player. Now you have Devontae Adams too, but he is the player that's been the Raiders the last few years, balling out in primetime and showing the national audience who he is in a way that I just don't think you could appreciate unless you're watching him snap to snap, game to game, just ball out. He is one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. It's crazy how many great edge rushers we have, but he's right there with all of them. And you're right, it was a sack, four tackles for loss, which is a huge number, uh, but also just hurries and making Jordan Love uncomfortable. And no matter what they're doing, whether it's throw two tight ends at him or throw a double team or he's looping all the way inside, he was just everywhere playing with his hair on fire. And in a game that, like, I, we talked about it. We can get into it. Is this a good game? Is this a bad game? I don't know. But there was, like, two great players in it. Devontae Adams was quiet and showed up a little late, but Max Crosby was truly great. And I think he was basically the reason the Raiders won this game 17-13. Jackpot, yeah, baby! Thank you, Brent. Uh, yeah, he's the heart and soul of that defense. He is. I was thinking about it while I was watching one of the many, you know, cutaways where they showed him either on the field or on the sideline with his helmet off. Has, has a guy ever looked like he should be playing for the Raiders more than Max Crosby? It was kismet how he how he landed there, and we know about his. Uh, personal struggles that he dealt with and addiction and he overcame that. And now he has a, a wife and a baby who's uh, turning one uh, next week. And it's all, you know, a great, great success story uh, for Max Crosby. And there was a great moment. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Greg, because you were wrapping up your uh, overseas telecast. Channel five. It? Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the channel five viewers who were up. The channel five you. news team. Um, <laughs> Lisa Salters is, is beginning an interview with Crosby post game, and this is his big game and his big stage and a big moment in his career here in primetime after a dramatic win. And Rich Passaccia, who was an assistant head coach when Crosby came into the league with the Raiders, he was the interim coach in 2021. Passaccia kind of grabs him by the hand, and, and they have this embrace, kind of mm. uh, a pretty emotional, like, I, I love you, man, type embrace. And and it was a reminder, again, of this journey that Crosby has been on for a Raiders team that seems in general, Greggy, and maybe we said before we get to the Packers, some of the, the, the other sense around the Raiders that they seem like an organization stuck in neutral uh, with a middle-of-the-road quarterback in Jimmy G and a head coach that, yeah, I mean, it, let's just kind of touch on what gave the Packers a chance to even uh, steal this game because I was – you know, they came back from commercial and they all of a sudden Daniel Carlson's lining up for a field goal. And I, I had to like, I had to do like a double take because I think <laughs> that's impossible. They, they have a fourth and they have a fourth and two. I think it was a fourth. It's and a very one. short two, long yeah. one. I'm giving it. And um, so you have Josh Jacobs and I know Josh Jacobs hasn't been vintage Josh Jacobs this season after Look the holdout and everything. I'm telling you, but I know the numbers weren't crazy, but he looked he's good. getting there. And you saw it last week. He, he had a, a quality game and and tonight he, he did some things and you are up by four points. If you get the first down, it's over. You could punt it away and give. Uh, Jordan Love on a day where he, the offense of the Packers is struggling a long field and dare them to score a touchdown. The one decision you don't make, and by the way, all the uh, pop, pop the hood analy analytics back this up, is you don't go for the field goal. 
Because even if you make the long field goal, which they don't, because even though he's a great uh, kicker, uh, Daniel Carlson bangs it off the upright, you're still only up seven. And you're kicking the ball back to Green Bay, and they have a chance to tie or even win uh, if they score a touchdown and go for two. So the fact that McDaniels makes that decision, and it's not the first time now, Greg, uh, in this Josh McDaniels era that he's making decisions that you know the opposing team, uh, the players, the coaching staff, the fans are all hyped when they see McDaniels making a certain decision. And that's how you know it was the wrong one. They got away with one. And McDaniels, again, I don't know where Mark da- da- where Mark Davis is at right now in terms of how he feels about the state of his team and the head coach who's under fire. But that could have been a situation where they blow that game and what happens on Tuesday morning, I don't know. So McDaniels ducks a lightning bolt here, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. And sometimes it's not even about analytics. It's just like use common sense. Right. You All you have to do is make a play and you win the game. And that play is a two-yard gain. You've been running it pretty well. The offense had just had a go-ahead touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. They also had a three-and-out right after the interception. Uh, But they were moving the ball on this drive. It was actually an impressive drive. They got the ball back, I I believe, with about, what, four-and-a-half minutes to go. Checking here, five-and-a-half minutes to go, and they pick up uh, a few first downs and burn some clock, and you're like, okay, Raiders, be a professional team here. All you need is two more yards, and that wins the game. What's even a higher likelihood? Making a 52-yard field goal or picking up two yards? It's about the same, except one ends the game and the, and the other doesn't at all. And his defense saves him. And to Mark Davis, uh, you know, you saw him. It you know, looks like he's he's happy in his relationship, but I don't think he was happy with Josh McDaniels. Uh, they showed his face after that that swing pass to, uh, who is it, DeAndre Carter, their kick returner, on third and goal. Yeah. Uh, when you have Devontae Adams on your team. And Mark Davis looked pissed. That was the three and out after the interception. And so that was kind of an example in this game where the defense is balling out, where the offense had a chance to really you know, go up two scores in that s- situation. And they're throwing like eight yards short of the end zone on third and goal. And they had another three and out that came after uh, Love's second interception of the night, which was in the fourth quarter. And so even though the offense did enough tonight to win, and we can give a little more on the offense if you want, uh, I didn't feel any differently really about this. They didn't top 300 yards. They did just enough to win. Yeah, I, I think it. Devontae Adams was also interviewed after the game. I, I saw it on ESPN before I, I popped down here and uh, he acknowledged that he's not 100% that he's not he's kind of grinding a little bit right now I think it's a shoulder um, and that partially maybe affected why he wasn't his usual game wrecking self so I mean they're going to be in a bad spot this isn't a tr- we've talked about it before this Raiders offense and and even on the other side of the ball with Max Crosby the clear headliner has some top line talent but not a lot of depth and when you take Devontae Adams out of it, or at least the top four of himself. Kobe Myers is a, a pretty good number two, but he's no number one. Uh, we're still waiting for Michael Mayer, the, the first round pick tight end to make a big difference. We know uh, Hunter Renfro is lost in space, uh, has been all season long. He's in the doghouse, apparently, uh, with Josh McDaniels. And uh, Josh Jacobs is yet to really find his form. So this is maybe a little less than than what they're typically able to give you, but this is not a team that's going to give you 400 total yards a week. I mean, about three, 350, I think is what they're designed to do in the hope that Crosby makes a big play. It's a pretty, uh, the needle to thread for Raiders to win games, it's pretty tight, and as you could see today. They need Jimmy G to play better. 
I, I don't think this was a great Jimmy G game. He, you know, when there was a, a play where Meyer could have had a big play and it was a second reaction play where Jimmy's on the move and he missed it. And Troy Aikman was apoplectic about it. But I was just like, that's kind of who Jimmy G is. He's not going to make second reaction play and the timings a little off. His decision making's been a little off. I, I think he and Josh McDaniels might be a little surprised how slow the transition's been for Jimmy G. Cause I thought he might be an upgrade on how Derek Carr played last year and Derek Carr didn't play well for the Raiders last year. And he hasn't been, I would say he so far, he's been uh, a little bit of a downgrade, but he did make just enough plays tonight and professional wide receiver, Jacoby Myers helped them <laughs> get across the line. He had a nice game. And Derek Carr is always catching strays on this show from people that are not me, but you know, the fact that he was able to step in and the team was whatever, but at least Devontae Adams was still Devontae Adams. I, and maybe he's just not healthy right now this season. He was but before this week, but you're right. Like Jimmy G can't throw the ball down the field. They can't really do second reaction. He's a plays. tough watch, Garoppolo. He, and I, I just wonder, Greg, like when it time when it comes time for Josh McDaniels, because the rubber's gonna meet the road here and this team is gonna be heading towards crossroads station despite today's good outcome. Uh, how long he sticks with Garoppolo when he could get a look at O'Connell, a further look at him. We'll we'll sure. see. I don't know Schedule how many starts very Garoppolo favorable. has left. They have the Patriots. Uh, they have one hard game. I'm forgetting who it is off the top of my head. And then they have both New York teams. So it act, it actually was like, I mean, no win is guaranteed for the Raiders, but I looked at that schedule and I was like, hmm, they can maybe go three and two with that schedule, like, and maybe get to four and five. And like, when you're hoping that that's, that's the upside, that's, that's not an exciting place to be. But when, when Josh McDaniel is breaking out like seven different trick plays, it's a sign he knows he doesn't really have like an offense other than yes. the trick plays. Correction, Michael Mayer was a second-round pick in the fourth, fourth pick of the second round. Um, man, you don't need that, Greggy, as the Patriot fan. Now you get a Jimmy Garoppolo revenge game on the plate? What else could go wrong? I, I mean, that would be a dark moment, I guess, losing to this Raiders team, but how much lower can it get? That's a, as good as a, a possible you know, opponent you could have. They have. By the way, Pats, Bears... Lions and then both New York teams. I mean, they, you, you should be okay. I mean, if you, they you can, can also win a couple lose all those. those games. They're capable of doing that too. Uh, and now the other side of it. And uh, listen, Aaron Jones is a, a surprise scratch here. Apparently, he had a a setback with the hamstring, and now he's back. You know, it's up in the air what his situation is. They they give the ball to AJ Dillon to you know various levels of success in this game, uh, but. The Jordan Love thing, it, this was the worst game that I know he, he's had really exciting, promising games. He's had s some bad games. Uh, this one was probably the worst that I've seen him play. I, I It just felt like he could not get comfortable, um, really settle himself into this game. There was, you know, three bad, three interceptions. Uh, one of them, uh, I believe the second pick. Uh, or the first, but they were all kind of bad, actually. Even the third one, I know it's kind of desperation time, but it's just a, it's just a balloon now into the end zone. Ball. And, I mean, there's what do you take out of the love performance? And in general, Greg, what have you thought of him now that we've gotten a five-game look at him? I'm getting a little concerned. I think the last two games have been his worst two in a row now, one against Detroit and now, now this one, both in primetime, erratic. He had the highest average yards per attempt air yards per attempt going into this game it was almost 10. So they, everything was down the field and it was like, let's count on his big arm and let's take all these chances. And they were hitting enough big plays that you were excited about it. today. He almost didn't throw anything over 10 yards. 
at one point in the second half, he was two for six on throws over 10 yards with two interceptions. Mm. And uh, he ended up throwing that third interception on another deep pass. And all I could think watching this game was like, they literally didn't have a straight drop back passing game. No, he was all it was, was like a couple like rollouts and play a couple play actions. But if you had, if you asked him and, I know I'm going on too much, but like that Crosby sack was one of the biggest plays in the game because it put them in a situation where they actually had to drop back and pass on like a normal play, for lack of a better word, where there like wasn't a bunch of like things going on and play action. And that's where Marcus Peters made a nice play and tipped it and there was an interception. Like he just couldn't do it. He was scrambled looking at the defense. Yeah, he finished 16 of 30, 182, no touchdowns, three picks. Uh, Warren Sharp tweeted out on passes thrown over five yards. Tonight, mm. three of 11 with uh, three picks, negative 0.78 EPA per attempt. Uh, it just wasn't it wasn't happening for this passing game. And, you know, it's it was never going to be a easy ride for the Packers. But I, I you know, first year post Rogers. But I think there was and I know there was because we talked a lot about it in the summer. There was a general sense of optimism um, both the way last season ended and then just uh, this is why you got to really be careful during the summer. I mean, there was such <laughs> glowing praise pouring out of Wisconsin. You thought that Jordan Love was essentially going to just hit the ground running as a third Hall of Famer. And it's just very clear it's not that way right now. And it's this is going to be a player that needs time to develop. That said, you know, Greg, he's in his fourth year. So I know this is his first year as a full-time starter. What what kind of leash does a guy get when he has that unusual ramp-up period in today's game? Obviously this season, uh, but I think overall, if I had to give him a grade so far, I'd probably hit him with a C plus. Yeah, I'd give him a C. I uh, don't think he's a normal rookie or like young player to talk about because he's not even on his rookie contract anymore. They, they re-signed him That's for this. Right sort of weird in between two year deal where he has some guaranteed money into next year and he's making closer to Gino money on, on that fifth year option, like that level quarterback than he is uh, like a guy in his second or his third year. So I'm not going to push the panic button though, because it's such a long season and they do have some good excuses in terms of their offensive line has been shuffling every week. Watson hasn't been healthy until this game was his first compliment uh, of full snaps, but they looked better in the first couple of weeks. It's always a little concerning to me because I, I think the first few weeks it's like, it's almost like extended preseason and Lafleur was cooking up some really open receivers. And I, I feel like October you settle into the season. You start settling into teams that are stacking that they're building. I, I think the Raiders defense kind of showed tonight. Okay. They're, they're starting to get a little bit better in terms of the different things they can do. And the Packers aren't stacking. They're backing. They're backing up. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I I think another thing maybe working against love right now from a public opinion standpoint is, yes, there was the summer of hype, the start. There was there were signs uh, early in the season that this was going to work. Um, uh, there was that dramatic Saints comeback. And then now we've had back-to-back Island games, one Thursday mm. night football uh, against the Lions where the team was mostly non-competitive. And now you go on the road against a, you know, middling, mediocre Raiders team. And like you, the you 31st defense in DVOA. Going yeah, you can't clear 300 total yards and you can't put together, you know, substantial drives and, and you get a gift from the opposing head coach and set up at midfield with a chance to really steal that game. 
and you don't really do anything with it. So that's that's a disappointing loss for the Packers. And, you know, if we're going to look at the uh, Raiders schedule, take a peek here. Uh, they got at Denver next week, Packers. home Vikings, home Rams at Pittsburgh. So, you know, that's I just don't know what to make sense of them really right now. So it's hard to even know what that means. It's not a killer schedule. It's not exactly soft either. We no. shall see. I uh, it goes back to your original question before we even got on. It was like, was this a good game? Because <laughs> yeah, because it's like the primetime games have been pretty bad. And what I would say was it was a good bad game because it provided enough tension. It was back and forth. At one point, it looked like it was going to be Raiders by two scores. Then it was the Packers were ahead. It went back and forth. There's people we know. Oh, Jimmy G, he's handsome. Like I like that guy, Devontae Adams, Crosby, and it had some drama at the end. But it you never left the feeling that, oh, these two teams aren't great, you know, that this Packers team, unless they change, and they feel like a team that could change by week 13, they could be a different team. But right now, they're a pretty bad team that's going to need to get enough wins so that they uh, that they don't get buried, and it didn't happen. Shout out to uh, Amik Robinson, that, that Robertson. That's my last uh, point of this game was, that dude's 5'9", and he's skied up there. I it's rare you get beat that badly on a play and then you have the game winning play because Watson killed him off the line. And uh I don't blame Love too much for being late on the throw because he got pressured quickly. It was Malcolm Kuntz actually that pressured him, made a move, so the th- the timing was a little late. But I, I forget who it is. It might be Orlovsky says it it's not just making like the right throw in terms of decisions. It's like the choice of what kind of throw you make when you throw it. And love just kind of lofted that ball up there. And he's got one of the strongest arms in the league. And since he was behind, he needed to put his heater on that because he's got more of a heater where he could have flattened that thing out and gotten that thing there quicker because Robertson was beat and he made a really nice athletic play for, for like a fourth string cornerback (laughs) covering Christian Watson skying for the interception. And this one's for the frustrated Packers fans. My my final thought is, you know, Joe Barry is not a very po- popular guy there. They're D.C. Uh, that moment on the Raiders go ahead and, you know, ultimately game-winning touchdown drive uh, where the scheme had outside linebacker Preston Smith lining up <laughs> against Devontae Adams without any help. 17-yard gain, which uh, puts them in business and sets up the, the touchdown I believe by Josh Jacobs. And then the other thing uh, got Troy wanna... laughing. I always like it when he gets Troy. Yeah, laughing. that's never good. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's also, and this drives me crazy about, about the jets because I, I think it points directly back to coaching. Uh, this team has not been ready to play uh, the last three weeks. They've been outscored 54 to six in the first half of their mm. last three games. So, you know, they got, they got a lot to work on and, but so to do the Raiders. So, I don't think we're going to see these teams in the Super Bowl, but they gave us a competitive game. How about that? They're, they both deserve to be two and three. So I kind of almost am glad this Packers team doesn't deserve to be three and two. Um, all right, let's pivot. So that's Monday Night Football, and that is the close of week five. Look at that, Greg. Five weeks in the camp. We almost got a bird to catch. Not quite. We Actually, did. we got a whole nother show before we, we catch a bird, so I shouldn't even point that out. We do. And if you're wondering, where's Mark Sessler? Uh, Mark is at the Dodgers game right now. With he's got friends. a big week. He's got a big week this week, Mark Sessler. And, you know, he had a little bit of a late um, heads up. Hey, I'm not going to be doing the show tonight. Um, <laughs> some type of thing about a miscommunication. I don't know if we bought it or not, Greg, but it's okay. 
he's got a big birthday tomorrow. You he know, does. that that was like I wasn't even I didn't even, you know, I didn't even give him pretend grief, uh, let alone real grief, because I was like, you know what? Baby boy's got a big, uh, big day tomorrow. He, he can do whatever he, he wants, although you're giving him a little grief right now. This is <laughs> this is love. This is love. I, I'm happy that he's not doing. I'm happy, Mark, of all people who is no fan of the Raiders. Uh, oh, yeah. Or baseball, you know, for that matter. Or Well, yeah. So he had to choose, I guess, between the Raiders <laughs> and baseball, and he chose baseball. So the national pastime gets a W there. I love a little live baseball. Playoffs, that you know, live baseball is much different than TV baseball. Right. Well, thank you for validating baseball in a live setting. I, I, I love watching baseball on the couch as well. But listen. Yeah. I'm not as advanced as you. I don't. I don't understand. We tennis. all like different things. It's it's fine. I'm just saying you, you could. It doesn't matter what age. No matter where I am, who the teams are, I'll go watch a live baseball game. Watch I watch the game. I watch the semi pro game in Massachusetts. Uh, I watched four games in Tokyo. I was going to the baseball stadium. Look at you. Look at you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, let's get to it. News. Let's start with, this is not surprising. This is not good news, but it's not the worst news. Um, Shane Steichen, Colts head coach, said Anthony Richardson, uh, the injury-plagued uh, rookie quarterback, will miss, quote, some time with a sprained AC joint. I think, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a report out there that he'll be heading to injured reserve. Not just um, a report, but a report from our guy, Ian Rappaport. Right, which which will take him out. You know what? I I still struggle with this. What do they what do they change? Now it's four games at least, the IR designation? Yeah, and Ian added some context that it, it might be through their buy, which I believe would be five games plus a buy. 
So he he thought it would be uh, extra time. And he he's uh, reporting this exclusively. Nice job by Rapshi, because no one else seemed to know what the timeline uh, was. But he it sounds like he's got a pretty good idea that, that he might be out through the bye, which I believe would be five games. Yeah, and that's, you know, I said it on the on the show on Sunday. The way he came off the field, you, you had Derek Carr not miss a start uh, with the same injury, but this is a different, you could tell it was a different level of this injury, and it was something you were not going to see him this upcoming week. And sure enough, this is something where you it might be a month and a half where he's out of the lineup. And, you know, hopefully, first of all, the Colts are in, in the thick of things in the AFC South, um, and they have a luxury in one of the best backups, if not the best backup quarterback in the league in Gardner Minshew. So I think they'll continue to keep their head above water, but this year is about largely Richardson and him really settling in as the face of the franchise. And you just hope when he does get back on the field, you know, he puts, he puts it behind him because uh, it's been a hellacious start in terms of mm. health. Uh, in other news, Kevin, I just want to give you the, yes. the, the schedule, by the way, yes, Cleveland, you know, cause it's five weeks. By the way, he wouldn't be back until November 26th. We'll be done with Chris Thanksgiving. Like five weeks doesn't sound like much, but we'll be past Thanksgiving. So he'll be ready for when the season truly starts. It checks out. <laughs> Week 12 uh, at Jacksonville, then home for the Browns and the Saints. That's a tough three-game slate to start out. Uh, they'll be underdogs probably in all three. Saint, Saints is kind of a, a pick em. And then at Carolina and Patriots right now, two of the worst teams in the league. If you can go two and three there, you're 500 coming out of the bye, and at least Anthony Richardson is returning for some meaningful games. I think, call it a prediction, I think they're going to be okay. I think they will be in the mix when Richardson reemerges because I think this team has got something going on, and if Jonathan Taylor can find his footing, uh, he could help uh, cover up for Richardson's absence. Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, um, following their loss on Sunday uh, in which Justin Jefferson exited the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, he was a little cagey about it on Sunday after the game. And on Monday, in comments to reporters, it sounded like they're going to they're gonna be careful with the most important player in the franchise. Um, I think there'll probably be a, a couple different opinions on it, but we got to get, um, you know, the MRI of it and take a look and find out exactly what it is, where it is, um, you know, if there's any other factors that go into it and, and determine what the best decision for him to get him back to, you know, 100% as fast as possible. But, uh, you know, uh, you know he's, he's down today. Uh, he obviously is one of the most, you know, ultra competitors I've ever met. Um, and, and, shoot, he was trying to go back in the game as it was yesterday. So uh, we're going to have to medically uh, make a good decision and, and, and help, uh, you know, kind of almost protect him from himself a little bit in a way where uh, we got to take care of him and get him back to 100%. I like I like that football talk. It's a little good football jargon. Yeah, he's down today. That's like Sessler. Sessler's down tonight, and we're gonna get him back. On well, Tuesday. wait, he's saying down emotionally. I think Mark's no. up. He's having fun. Oh, I think no. I think uh, okay. I, I think, think he's down saying because means... he's so passionate. He's down in the dumps because he knows he's gonna be out for a little while. Oh, okay. Well, that's a misunderstanding. I thought it was down like the football term. Oh, he's down like he didn't. He wasn't involved in any of the. But you're right. It's Monday anyway. Oh, he's down. That's not good. That totally changes how I feel about everything. Sounds like a guy who's going to miss some time. I really thought O'Connell telegraphed this last night and because he keeps saying 100%. We need to get him back to 100%. We got to need to make the best decisions for the long-term health of Justin Jefferson. And the way he said it, we got to protect him from himself. I mean, I think 
this is a problem. I mean, I would be stunned if he played this week. And it just reminds me a little bit of Cooper Cup. Like, I think they want to, you want to be careful with these hamstrings so that they don't recur. And, uh, you look, I, this is, this is troubling, but I also think Justin Jefferson's contract is something like he, he, he's looking for a new contract that that's something that they're trying to protect him. I think, and I don't think he's going to play for a little bit by that sound. Yeah. I think you mentioned what I was going to mention, which was they have a, um, a warning shot fired in what happened in Los Angeles with Cooper cup, who, they try to bring a guy back a little before maybe he was ready, and then he had a setback, and boom, he misses the first quarter of the season. So let's hope Justin Jefferson doesn't miss too much time, and when he comes back, he's Justin Jefferson because the Vikings are not a very competitive team without him on the field. I don't know if they win games without that guy on the field. Uh, the Giants are having trouble winning games this year, and it's not going to get any easier if Daniel Jones isn't on the field. The quarterback suffered a neck, a neck injury uh, in uh, the blowout loss to the Dolphins. Brian Dable said on Monday he is, quote, optimistic about Jones playing against the Bills in week six. However, Greggy, uh, maybe a little tempered, we temper this with uh, rap sheets reporting on what he was hearing around the team. Yeah, he uh, he said it's uncertain. And another local beat writer pointed out that Dable made it clear that his optimism came from talking to Daniel Jones and that this was a an injury similar to one that he's had before. And in that very situation, Daniel Jones kept saying, I can play, I can play. And when it came down to it, because it was a neck injury, the doctors said, no, you can't. And he had to m- miss time. So that's Sunday Night Football. That's against the Bills. Man, it's dark. We, we've we've covered how dark it is. Uh, and uh, Nick Shook and Patrick Claibon will actually be covering that Sunday night game for us this week. So we, we don't have to cover Tyrod maybe starting in primetime against his old team. Yikes. Oh, man. Mm, that could be tough. Uh, <laughs> also tough, I'm just – yeah, I told you, you know, my old man, Keith, tore his Achilles right in front of me this summer. That sucked. Terrible injury. The Achilles where, where, where did that happen? In Back east? It happened in Texas when we were on vacation. We got the oh. grandparents together. It was just a terrible, terrible uh, time for the family. And he's in recovery after surgery and getting rehab and, and on his way back, um, which is great. And, he, and my dad's doing great with it. Uh, but it is a long and arduous rehab. Uh, and then, of course, we know what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Fourth play of the season. He blew his Achilles. The most important player on the Jets' offensive line is Elijah Vera Tucker, or I would say the most talented player, former first-round pick. He limped off the field against the Broncos at Mile High Stadium, the, the same stadium where a year ago, almost to the day, he suffered a torn triceps injury that ended his season. He limps off the field. They think he's okay, and then they do some more testing. Elijah Vera Tucker blew his Achilles, so he's out for the year, and he now has surgery and a long and arduous rehab ahead of him. Just a, a, a brutal blow for Vera Tucker and the Jets. Uh, Vera Tucker, who has been bouncing around the line for a couple of years now, but they had recently kicked him over from guard, his natural spot to right tackle. And there uh, there appeared to be, Greg, some level of stability with Mekhi Becton on the left side and Joe Tipman, the, the second-round pick, had taken over at guard and was doing some good things. And it felt like maybe they were getting somewhere. And now you take Vera Tucker out of it. It crushed their line last year, and it's not good news for them this year. Yeah, what do they got? They got Billy Turner. They, they got Turner, those guys yeah. that keep 
cycling through. Max Mitchell, I feel like I know the backup Jets tackles too well. Because they tried, they kind of, when they were dealing with injury issues this summer, they tried to get these guys, these journeymen, to to stick on the left and right tackle, and that blew up, and now they have no choice. And Mekhi Beckenden labored through the Denver game. I don't know how much longer he's going to be sticking around either. So we're kind of back to square one, with which has been a kind of a cursed position group under Joe Douglas, which is ironic, Greggy, because that was supposed to be his bread and butter, the trenches. And now you got the Eagles, who are the team he came Oofa. from, and and actually, you know, are the model of how to build your trenches. And yeah, you got to be a little concerned with that matchup heading into the bye week. Uh, I'm also concerned. Um, with uh, Devon Achan, the running back who's averaging like 13 yards a carry this year. Amazing uh, speed, uh, just has gone, gone from uh, healthy scratch in week one to the most exciting young player or running back in football, this side of Bijan Robinson. A little concerned about a knee injury that popped up. Um, here's Mike McDaniel uh, talking about what uh, – a-Chan is dealing with and, and if he's in danger of missing time. Is he undergoing like an MRI today or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's various various things that he's uh, undergoing. Handshakes as well, high fives. Um, um, I, think he, I think he, from all accounts, he had a good breakfast and lunch. <laughs> I mean, it's, we love McDaniel, but you, I mean, I would hope, I would hope, Greggy, that unless they they must feel confident that he's not facing any serious absence or that's not going to be that's probably going to be one that McDaniel's going to want to have back if we get bad news tomorrow well I think he I think he was pressed on it in in fairness to McDaniel for a little while so that wasn't the first question (laughs) and they were like are you confident he'll return this season. And I was like, whoa, what, where did that come from, that question? It made me wonder what they know, whoever's asking the question. And then he just started humming and humming and didn't want to say anything. He's like, I, I don't like to talk about, I don't like to speculate. I don't think about anything until I know the facts. And and then I just, he was he was in a Mike McDaniel press conference spiral, but I, I don't mind. I don't you know, mind. I was thinking about this, Greg. I didn't bring it up on Sunday because it didn't occur to me to, until this morning. Um you're a great person to get, you know, takes on Mike McDaniel press conferences because I think there's a lot of similar DNA with you guys. I think the, I think you have a there's a natural kinship perhaps between you guys. There's some type of um uh there's some type of energy wire um that connects you that is invisible and you could understand where he's coming from and and he too of you if you were to actually meet. I I um would love to meet him. You know, I'll take, I'm taking that as a compliment. I, I think that might, you know, be true. And I, I'd like to believe it was true. I like to think in this situation. Yeah. He, he starts making jokes cause he's like nervous. You know, he's, he's trying to make light of, he already kind of stepped into it and got stuck in a position where he doesn't want to be answering these questions. And he's just trying to deflect with humor, I've, you know, sometimes better than others. You know, I've, I've been there many times, Greg, where maybe <laughs> things got a little bit, uncomfortable and then and Greg throws in something that is kind of a wild uh, comment and it, it's a little McDaniel-esque yeah it's like you take an uncomfortable situation and then you could try to like fix it or let's just drop a bomb to make it more uncomfortable and then you know like, right yeah that that'll solve it um it's kind of a little it's a little bit of a Larry David vibe in there as well um 
I'm a little worried though. Uh, and uh, it was controversial. You took them. You know, everyone should check out our NFL Plus show from last week. We did a, a draft where we took all the rookies and just we could take. I think we only had three picks each, so nine mm-hmm. players taken overall. Devon Achain moved into the top nine overall rookies in this class. Controversial pick by the by the Zeuser. Yeah. He backed it up with a big performance. Um, but you know, people are wondering injury risk. You know. Well, my my top two my top pick was Anthony Richardson, and my third pick was A Chain. Um, I don't even know who my second pick was, but I I hope he's okay. He's probably in a, a great bit of physical uh, discomfort, would be my guess. I don't remember who it was. It's an explosive offense. Oh, it was Puka Nakua. But hey, okay. kid, get safe. Go somewhere. Go under the bed and hide, because I took you, my injury plagued rookie all stars. Uh, Deshaun Watson, also an injury situation. And this one's a little, a little weird, Greggy, uh, because Watson was cleared to play in week four, right? And then he worked out on the field, um, before, uh, their game. Uh, who's it against? It was against what they got wiped out by last week. The Ravens, the Ravens. Uh, and he couldn't go. So even though he was cleared to play, he wasn't feeling right. So they scratched him. Then they had a bye week, the Browns. And now we're into prep for 49ers week. And Kevin Stefanski uh, wouldn't commit to Watson playing in week six. I think that is obviously uh, something to keep an eye on here because that means even with this additional rest, it's not a situation where, where Watson is feeling himself. And you just wonder what exactly is going on in that right shoulder. Yeah, I, he he worked out before the game, and this would kind of slip through the cracks for us because I hadn't been following it as closely that Stefanski literally said during the week of practice that he had been cleared medically. And that's why it's just strange. And the Browns reporter, I believe it was on The Athletic that I was reading, like, you know, pointed out the similarities to the situation with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski where they were saying like he was medically cleared and it was kind of this whole back and forth thing that he was playing through an injury that Stefanski talked about and it's just very odd to say your quarterback was medically cleared and they obviously have gone out of their way to say like of course Deshaun Watson will play through pain and he's just not feeling right he knows his body we know he's a warrior all that stuff but just Kind of a strange situation that was compounded by the announcers of that game saying, look, they thought all week Watson was playing and it, they were surprised at the last second, essentially, that they had to play Dorian Thompson Robinson. And, and now you might not be ready for this week. We'll see. It's just something to watch. Yes, uh, we do not need to see uh, DTR uh, again. That was a rough debut uh, by the kid. Leighton Vander Esch, Cowboys linebacker veteran important guy for them he could be headed to injured reserve after he suffered a neck injury in week five's uh blowout loss to the 49ers and uh lions lose one of their big ticket signings emmanuel mosley tore his acl played two snaps and blew his acl uh so he is obviously done for the year that's the injury devastating he he tore one acl i think it was his left last year and you know, still ended up getting a nice free agent contract because he's a good cornerback with a decent amount One of guaranteed year. money. One for six he got. Yeah. Yeah. But just coming off of a torn ACL for, for a young guy, but not like a especially proven. Yeah, they they believed in him and then tore the other ACL. You, your heart kind of breaks for him. And I was really worried about Van Der Esch that this could be 
a more serious injury. They do say it's four to six weeks. So considering his history with neck injuries, hopefully, you know, he's able to play football again this year. That'd be great. Yeah. And you know, that Detroit, things are great for the Lions right now, but that secondary is getting tested now with the depth. CJ Gardner Johnson, another addition in the offseason. He's on IR with a pectoral injury. We don't know if he's coming back. And Mosley tore the ACL also against the Panthers um, almost one year to the day. Uh, he, mm. he, he suffers the same injury. Uh, so that is that is a tough break. It is a brutal sport, Greggy. That's uh, what's happening in the news. Anything else to share? Well, we're always here late. It's Monday night. We d- did a show earlier, whatnot. And we're always ending with like, and this guy's season is over with a torn ACL. It's kind of a bummer way to end the day. So, you know, we need to just, I don't know, do some jokes. Uh, talk Dodgers baseball. Mark's there right now. Are they blowing it? Uh, they were they're, down. They're down 4-2. Yeah, that's a tough sitch, too. So that's not we're not going to get. It's the bottom of the ninth. Actually, I don't want to do this anymore. We'll go watch the end of that Dodger game. Okay. Uh, we do All have right. a show to prep for, too. We're going to be previewing the primetime games, maybe a little something else on Tuesday. We got some we fun for plane. you guys coming up, and we'll be on a plane. we got to catch a bird to England uh, tomorrow. So everybody over there, uh, thank you for your support. Come say hi. And if you're at the live show, let's have a party. Let's get wild. All right. Till next time, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.